0: Welcome to GSA Fast Focus, a look at what's happening in and around the U.S. General Services Administration's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Kornblith. My guest today is Tiffany Hickson, GSA's Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC, She is also the government-wide federal professional services category executive. Tiffany, who is based in the Seattle area, also serves as the FAS regional commissioner for GSA's Region 10. We're going to learn how Tiffany juggles those multiple roles and about an exciting new program coming out of PSHC. We will also run down some of the webinars and CLP opportunities coming up in the next couple of weeks. And, as always, put a few fascinating facts in Fast Focus. Welcome back to Fast Focus. So, look at what is happening throughout GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Cornblith. And in just a couple of minutes, I'll be talking with Tiffany Hickson about her role as GSA's Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC. But first, do you have a question about PBAs. I'm talking about performance-based acquisitions. That is the method of preparing service contracts that emphasizes the service outcomes as opposed to the manner in which the work is performed. If so, we have got an event for you. It is the next PSHC Office Hours coming up on Thursday, June 10th, from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern. Join Jonathan Evans as he explains the benefits of using PBAs during your procurement planning. This training will earn you one CLP, and it is a great opportunity to get your questions about PBAs answered. I am talking about the next PSHC Office Hours Understanding Performance-Based Action acquisitions coming up on Thursday, June 10th from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern. More info available at gsa.gov slash events. The date again, Tuesday, June 10th, and everything begins at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 10 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back to Fast Focus, a look at what's happening in and around GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I am Joan Kornbluth, and today we're welcoming Tiffany Hickson to Fast Focus. Based in the Seattle area, Tiffany is GSA's Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC, and she is also the government-wide federal professional services category executive, and she also serves as the FAS regional commissioner for GSA's Region 10. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. And can you unpack all of those titles for us?
1: <laughs> yes, I can, Joan. Um, but first, thank you so much for having me on on Fast Focus, uh, it's always such a pleasure to spend time with you. Um, Thank you. And to share information about the great uh, work my organization is doing. So yeah, when I take a moment to think about those titles, I think at the heart of it is an example of um, like true efficiency, right? From a fast perspective, just to have someone be like, have three different hats, three different roles. It's an exercise in efficiency. <laughs> 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 when I think about it. But in all seriousness, um, I think my responsibilities are really a reflection of what FAST does Um, and its leadership role in government um, and really the agency's thoughtfulness uh, in terms of how it really leverages uh, its senior leadership talent. Um, the organization um, I lead manages the only government wide contracts for professional uh, and human capital services. Um, so that's really what the assistant commissioner role is about. Um, and that includes um, categories of spend that we manage through GSA's multiple award schedule contract, the OASIS, HCAT's uh, best in class multi agency contracts, um, and GSA's smart pay financial services program uh, that manages the federal government's purchase, travel, and fee cards, um, which is also a best in class program. So uh, it all with my From an assistant commissioner view, um, we uh, manage and oversee the use of a little over 6,500 contracts uh, that provide those services to federal agencies, um, a little over 5 million uh, card accounts through our SmartPay program, and about $50 billion a year annually uh, in in federal spend that we help agencies um, really deliver those mission services right through those contract programs. So that's what I do with my assistant commissioner hat on. Um, And because GSA is the only agency that has government-wide contracts in this space, um, it was a pretty natural fit um, for OFPP really to see us as the leader in the professional services category space. Um, And so I was lucky enough, in my view, uh, to be appointed as the federal category executive for professional services. Um, And it's, because we have the only government-wide contracts, it's really easy, right, for me to integrate that role. Um, It aligns neatly to what GSA's responsibilities are, um, and which is really about, let's, how do we do good um, services contracting? Um, And I, I see myself as really, you know, the the cheerleader in chief, right? Um, In terms of doing good services contracting um, and helping agencies uh, to do that work better. Uh, We do that through our contracts and we also do that through a number of other um, acquisition tools um, that agencies use. So um, really it's it's kind of part and parcel of the work that I do as an assistant commissioner. And then lastly, um, I am uh, a regional commissioner as well. Um, and th- that's a pretty easy fit. My office is organ- uh, is headquartered uh, in the Northwest, uh, in the Seattle area, as you mentioned earlier. Actually, our office is currently in Auburn, Washington. Uh, but we're going to be moving to Tacoma uh, in, in January of 2022. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? That we're already looking at 2022, but we're going to be moving uh, to it's Tacoma. It's
0: only six months from now, or, or yeah. five and a half.
1: It's just crazy. Um, time flies. When you're locked up. (laughs) <laughs> for all of us, uh, it's been a, a journey. But anyway, looking forward to, to that move. But um, you're like, hey, why the Northwest? Why Seattle? Well, um, FAS actually has about 175 employees that are located in the the four-state footprint of the Northwest Arctic region. The majority of those employees are actually in my organization in the Puget Sound area. So it's a, a pretty easy fit for me to represent FAS uh, in all of the work that that we do for federal agencies here in the Northwest because I'm here. Speaking
0: of that region, before we go any further, you are to date uh, our only guest to be raised in Alaska. How did you get to GSA and the world of procurement?
1: I like to say from the wilds of Alaska to the <laughs> wilds of federal procurement. <laughs> See, I mean,
0: I I left that wide open so you could just drive right, right through, through
1: it. it yeah. <laughs> and happy to do so for you, Joe. Happy to do so. Um, it's it's a long story, um, but, you know, like other, what uh, I view as other leaders, right, in, in uh, federal acquisition, I started as an intern. Um, so I, I left my hometown in Wrangell, Alaska, and moved to Seattle to go to college. Um, and while I was studying at Seattle University for my degree in political science, I also had a, a strong uh, relationship with the School of Public Administration. And it was the mid to late 80s. Um, and, you know, I really needed a job. Um, and so NOAA uh, was recruiting for uh, interns. And I threw my hat in the ring and got hired for, by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is under the Department of Commerce. And that's really what started my, my career. I had a, a, and still do have an incredible passion for public service as well as procurement. Um, and it just was a great fit, um, and you know, I now I think I have 32 years in uh, federal acquisition, um, and a big chunk of that was spent uh, with uh, 15 years in all uh, at the Department of Commerce, uh, both the field and at headquarters. Um, I moved to the Department of Homeland Security um, during its stand-up years and was there for about eight years, um, and then moved to GSA. Um, actually moved from DC back to GSA here in the Pacific Northwest and have been with GSA for a little over nine years. Um, And I remain, I like to say, a a procurement geek. (laughs) I just (laughs) just love it. I love what we do. And, you know, the mission of of FAS um, is just squarely uh, in in my passion space, so to speak.
0: So if somebody is, is, not a procurement geek. What is your little tiny elevator pitch about what procurement is all about? I mean, is it as simple as just buying and selling? No.
1: It's like maybe yes and no. But in federal procurement, it's no. (laughs) What I really love about uh, federal procurement is you are right in the middle of almost every mission space right the work that you do touches mission it touches program it touches law it's like I don't have a law degree and I'm sure our office of general counsel will be rolling their eyes back in their head right now <laughs> with me saying this um, but there's a it's very legal right you're focused really on on contract law uh, you have to understand budget, finance, personnel, believe it or not. Um, And so you really are at the center of a a number of mission support functions across government and you'll learn a lot. And you have the opportunity to really help programs deliver uh, their mission more effectively. I mean, it's just a great career field to be in and it can really parlay into anything. So you could start in procurement um, and 15 years into your career, go to, you know, the program side of the house or go into budget or go into finance. Um, It's just a really exciting career field to be in.
0: So we could have the tagline procurement a lot more interesting than it sounds. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And um, it, it's fascinating. I'm, I've been watching um, and now with the, I think with category management, right and using those principles um, in in the federal government space, it's been interesting to see uh, private industry and who they're recruiting for. Um, and some of the the biggest known companies that we know that you may not think would be recruiting uh, federal procurement professionals are. Um, and, you know, they're looking for, you know, those federal procurement skill sets, as well as the category management skill sets that we're starting to fold in the work we do. It's been pretty fascinating to watch that evolve over the last couple of years. So. It's. Um, I always say, if you've got a, a background in procurement, literally you can walk out. You know, if you are in DC or anywhere there's a federal presence, just walk outside and raise your hand and say, "I'm a federal procurement professional," and someone will probably offer you a job.
0: Don't <laughs> spread that word too far because you don't want to be losing any staff members anytime soon.
1: Well, uh, we're, you- really, we're really lucky on, on that front at GSA. You know, we continue to be um, you know in, in the top ten. Great places to work in government. Very right? true. So we have a, a lot of folks that are actually looking to come here, which is, you know, we're also very lucky.
0: Before we hit the record button, we were talking about distractions and, and issues that sometimes come up working at home. I don't know if you can hear the birds in the background at all. No, there, there are. There seems to be a bird fight or something going on mm-hmm. outside of my house because I keep hearing it pop up in my headphones. There are true angry birds outside, and I hope <laughs> that it's not true, too distracting for anybody. Um, we've been billing the show this week as a chance to talk about a new contract that's on the way, but let's take a look at the big picture first. What is happening in your world? Bring us up to date on some of the news from your region out west and in the Office of Professional Services and Human capital categories?
1: Yeah, I think I'll start with before we start talking about what's new and coming up, which is always, you know, exciting to talk about. um, We've really accomplished a lot uh, in the last several fiscal years. Um, Most of the work that we do, right, is at a very, it's a government-wide level. It's very strategic. um, So it generally takes a little time to get through. um, And I'm just so pleased with the progress that we've made in improving um, our our best in class contracts. So I'll start first with the OASIS. In uh, 2018, the Federal Category Management Leadership Council um, asked us to expand the industrial base um, on OASIS. When OASIS was originally awarded, it was before uh, category management, before best-in-class contracts, uh, and it really wasn't designed to meet really the goals right, that OFPP and the Office of Management and Budget had, had for us in terms of, you know, these best-in-class contracts. Um, and It had a number of those features um, and features that we have and enhanced, but once it became a best-in-class contract, you know, the the big feedback that we got from federal agencies is, you know, my industrial base isn't necessarily represented on the contract, so can you do an expanded on-ramp? And so we began that work uh, in, in 2018 in response to that ask, and, you know, two years 2,351 questions, (laughs) 1,600 proposals, and 730 contracts later, we're done. so it, it's uh it was a big lift um, but we were really pleased to be able to meet that need you know for the federal government while the contract um, gets through its final ordering period between now and, and 2024 so um, we also uh, as part of that work in addition to the on-ramps we did establish a new version of the oasis contract program which is oasis 8a. Uh, And so we now have 164 brand new 8A contractors available for agencies to use, and finished um, really all of this work uh, up in uh, late November. So, huge, huge accomplishment for the organization, and we're we're glad to have it largely behind us. I was going to say, you know, now the, the hard work really begins, right? With uh, that many new uh, industry partners, we have been spending quite a bit of time over the last quarter um, having, you know, industry days, and it's a good thing that we're virtual because we're able to meet um, with all those industry partners at the same time um, and getting them introduced to uh, agencies that use uh, the Oasis contract heavily, uh, getting them trained up on the reporting requirements, which are, you know, particular to best-in-class contracts. Um, so you know the award was uh, an important milestone, right? But getting them um, settled in to the contract program and agencies using them is really the key focus for us right now. Uh, and through really through the end of this fiscal year to get get them settled and up and running.
0: Are those virtual industry days? Um, you know that's something that we didn't really think about as being a plus before. We preferred sometimes doing them in person. More Because we thought that personal touch was a big thing. But the virtual ones sprung out a little bit more during the pandemic. But I think that they may stick around because they're proving to be so useful and successful.
1: They, they are, and I, we had actually started because of cost considerations mm-hmm. before COVID, rotating our industry days. So one year uh, we would have uh, an industry day. This is for we did a combined industry day for um, all of our contract programs, HCATs, Oasis, and our multiple award schedules programs, and um, we're really rotating one year in person. This that's where we were headed. Um, one year virtual, and the benefits of the virtual, in particular for small businesses, is that they didn't have to pay right to mm-hmm. try Somewhere, not all companies are located um, uh, in uh, the national capital area. Uh, coming out to Seattle, uh, where we have a lot—not all, but uh, a good number—of our contracting officers isn't always affordable, you know, for small businesses mm-hmm. either. So that was a huge benefit. Um, you know, the downside to your point is you don't have that person-to-person interaction. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that when we're We're over, right? Um, COVID, and at some point that will happen. Um, That maybe we look at really kind of a balanced approach, right? Where we rotate, do virtual, and do in person. Um, But the virtual has been very popular.
0: Well, another big bit of news out of your domain is the new services contract that's being established, uh, specifically what's being called the Services Multi Agency Contract or MAC. What is this new Services Mac that I'm hearing about?
1: Well, we started work this last year uh, in, in really thinking through what our next IDIQ contract needs to look like um, and be. And we need a, a new contract. Um, we can talk about that in a few minutes if you'd like. Um, but really, and we have not... Named this particular contract yet, <laughs> uh, and so our team is working on actually thinking through uh, with your office, actually the office of uh, Strategic Communications, uh, and working through what we should call it. Um, but right now, we're just referring it. If you if folks hear about it, we're referring to it as a, a Services Map or multi agency contract. And uh, we are looking to establish a, a very broad Services IDIQ contract that's available for all agencies to use, uh, and that meets uh, the best-in-class contract criteria. Um, And there's a a lot to unpack in terms of what we're trying to achieve there, but in a nutshell, that's what it's about.
0: I'm Joan Kornblith. You are listening to GSA Fast Focus. If you've got questions about anything you're hearing today or somebody that you'd like to hear featured on the program, just send us a note. The email address is gsafastfocus at gsa.gov. That is GSA FAS Focus at GSA.gov. Today we are talking with Tiffany Hickson, triple titled here at GSA. She is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories or PSHC and the government-wide federal professional services category executive. And she also serves as the FAS Regional Commissioner for GSA's Region 10. Now, Tiffany, let's talk some more about the new services Mac why do you need this? Because yeah, I know what a big deal it is for GSA to stand up a new services contract or really any big contract. This is not something that just happens overnight. No, it does not.
1: And, you know, <laughs> we really are in a, a, a three-year cycle, probably about two and a half years before we're going to have the contract ready for use um, for federal agencies. But, you know, simply put, our OASIS contract is, uh, its ordering period expires uh, in 2024. Uh, And for all big government-wide contracts, because it takes a number of years to get them done, um, we're working on that now. Um, And it really is an opportunity, in in my view, to build from the ground up a new IDIQ contract that really meets the needs of federal agencies um, and is a best-in-class contract from the get when OASIS was originally established, it was targeting a very specific uh, set of requirements, a very specific part of the industrial base. And it came before the advent, right, of what OMB really wants us to do with our government wide contracts. So, this is a wonderful opportunity, in my view, with OASIS expiring to really establish something um, that's going to better meet the needs of federal agencies with their services contracting needs.
0: So to reiterate, the OASIS ordering <laughs> period is coming to an end. Yes. Is this contract going to take the place of OASIS?
1: In part, um, it will take the place of OASIS. But really, we're based on what we've heard from federal agencies, we're going to be expanding the scope of this particular contract to include um, any services that uh, an agency may need. We're not going to have all those services on contract initially, but we want to build the contract with enough flexibility and scope that as federal agencies needs uh, evolve over time, um, we can add new services, what we're calling domains, um, under the contract. So it's going to be much broader uh, than the current OASIS contract.
0: I'm Joan Kornblith, and you are listening to Fast Focus from the U.S. General Services Administration. I'm talking with Tiffany Hickson. She is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC at GSA, and the Fast Regional Commissioner for GSA's Region 10. Our subject now is the Services MAC, or what's being called the Services MAC. How is this new services contract going to be different from the GSA multiple awards schedule, and also Oasis. And also, what are your goals for it?
1: Okay, lots to unpack there, Joan. Yes, we haven't got a lot of goals. <laughs> 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 this contract to I'm throwing it. it all at you at once. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to talk through it. Okay. Um, and, and first, let's talk about really, you know, it's and this is true for all of our GWACs uh, and MACs. We have a, a suite of them, right, on contract now. Mm-hmm. Um, and really how they are used vis-a-vis our multiple award schedules program. And our multiple award schedules program is directly targeted at commercial products and services. Um, it has got very um, defined pricing types, uh, and it is intended really for those highly commercial services and products. Um, our, GWACs and our multiple award contracts um, have a much broader scope um, and can provide um, really a full range of services. And those are included both commercial and non-commercial, as well as all contract types. So this is like some of that procurement geek stuff that we talked about earlier is all contracting types, which is really important to federal uh, acquisition professionals. And that ranges from fixed price to cost reimbursement, time of materials, labor hour, you name it, right? Our, our Max and GWAX can do that. And it's a big differentiator uh, between um, those government-wide contracts on our multiple award schedules program, is that you can buy both types of things um, under our multiple award contracts. And they have a slightly different industrial base as well. Um, And so we've got a number of uh, companies that really target um, and are really just part of the whole GovCom community and don't do a lot of commercial work outside of the government space. Um, So you see a lot more of those service providers on our government-wide contracts versus our multiple award schedules. Contracts. There's some industrial base overlap, but um, there's, a, there's a difference, right, between those industrial bases. Um, and the other unique feature uh, for our multiple award uh, contracts versus MASS is we really tailored the source selection criteria uh, to address what agencies are telling us they need from their industrial base. Um, and it, for the multiple award schedules program, it tends to be more, um, here's the the criteria, here's the basics for participating in commercial products and services for the federal government in our multiple award contracts. um, It is really tailored to what agencies are needing um, from highly qualified contractors that provide both commercial and non-commercial services. So uh, there's a distinction with a very important difference in terms of how agency um, acquisition professionals use those contracts. and what they expect Mm -hmm. from them.
0: So that can be more specific also.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So it's very tailored um, in some instances, and we expect that for our new services, a multiple award contract as well. Um, We will, what we're calling domains, um, each Mm -hmm. domain we think is going to have very tailored um, source selection criteria um, that really reflect what federal agencies are telling us that they need.
0: What are you trying to do specifically with the services, Mac?
1: I think we're trying to meet the federal government's, you know, services contracting needs. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> as, a, as a from just a, a pure mission perspective. And what we learned from OASIS in terms of what wasn't working for our existing, I mean, OASIS was the only professional services government-wide contract in government. And what wasn't working, there's was a lot of things that worked about it. What wasn't working is that the scope was too tailored. It was, it was too narrow. It was just on professional services. And what that means is that if an agency had a requirement that was largely non-professional, that really was leveraging uh, labor That was covered by the Service Contract Act, or we had work that included Davis Bacon work or Wash Healy work. Again, highly technical procurement (laughs) geek stuff here. Um, They weren't able to use the contract. Um, and so since the inception of, um, our OASIS contract program, we have been doing scope reviews and we still do those for agencies today and are keeping, have been keeping track of how many times we've had to say, nope, you can't use OASIS for, you know, this service requirement. And so we've learned a lot. And we want this new contract to have a much broader scope. Uh, so our contracts are meeting federal agencies' needs. Um, every time that we have to say, no, you can't use our contract, it means that we're really not fulfilling our mission, right, from a GSA perspective. So primarily, we're looking to achieve that, right? We've got a contract that agencies can use. Second, we've learned a lot about on-ramps um, mm-hmm. and that they're really hard. Um, I don't really see us using uh, that that particular feature um, in our new contract. We're still working through that, but I think we're looking to have vetted open enrollment, which means that it's open all the time. Um, that's actually a best practice that we've learned from the multiple award schedules program. Um, and we think that we're going to be able to establish, um, a process by which we can have it open all the time. So as industry becomes capable or they're meeting the standards or we've got new entrants right into, mm-hmm. uh, the federal market, uh, they're able to come in and and get on contract. And I think that's going to be a really important feature uh, for small businesses in particular. Um, And it will also help us be more efficient uh, and in really getting companies on contract in a timely manner. And what else? Um, We really want to make sure that we've got adequate small business and socioeconomic participation. I think we achieved that um, in our in our OASIS contract programs, but I think we can do better. And so we're going to be talking to the Small Business Administration and other small business leaders uh, in government to make sure that we structure this contract in a way that really has well-qualified small business and socioeconomic industry partners on contract and that we have enough of them um, in the right way, right? To meet federal agencies needs. So that's going to be a key focus for us. And then of course, ensuring that task order competition is is well managed um, and that the pricing is really happening at that level. So we're looking at using some new uh, authorities uh, that GSA has uh, to really set pricing at the task order level. And with that, well, it's going to, I think, require us to provide a lot more pricing data uh, for uh, our acquisition professionals to be able to say, hey, here are the prices that we're getting at the task order level. Here's some pricing data that we can use to do that price analysis, cost analysis, that kind of thing. So we're looking to really provide a lot more data and tools for uh, acquisition professionals when they're using this contract, which is we don't have that on Oasis today.
0: I'm really intrigued about the process that you're going through for setting something like this up. I mean, it does sound like an awful lot of work and you're just getting started. Well, you're not just getting started because from what you just told us, you've been tracking the entire time that you've been on Oasis, how things yeah. are working, what is be- what is missed, what's not missed, uh, all the steps. Tell us a little bit about the how that uh, in setting something like this up, I mean, it's not just a case of sitting down and creating in a vacuum. Um, no. what is considered, and how do you get the industry and customer feedback, especially during a pandemic?
1: It's been easier than you think it would be. Um, <laughs> I think you know technology, right, has r- really helped us um, stay connected um, really from a whole, whole you know perspective. Um, but I, let me f- start first with, you know, in my view, Um, Just building it and they will come, right, build a contract and maybe someone will show up and use it is really not an effective way to stand up contracts. It doesn't work that way anywhere else. It it shouldn't work that way, right, um, at GSA either. And to your point, doing that in a vacuum really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, If agencies aren't using our contracts, in my view, we're not doing our job. So the work that we are doing right now is incredibly, incredibly important in terms of setting up a a contract that agencies need and will use. Otherwise, really, what's the point? Um, And so in January, we really started that work in earnest um, and have done um, from both an agency perspective and an industry perspective, we're running two separate um, really engagements uh, first, with uh, agencies to understand, one we have a pretty good insight into what they're using our contracts for and what they're not using our contracts for. And so, we've been having a series of discussions with leaders uh, across government about uh, what they need and what our contracts aren't doing, you know, for them. So we can, you know, really structure this contract to achieve those goals. On the industry side, we're asking the same kinds of questions, but really through that that industry lens and so to date um we have received and we've done workshops um focus groups industry days formal requests for information y- you name it you know we have done it uh in terms of starting to get feedback we're not done yet um but starting to get feedback and so to date we have had formal engagements with uh 10 agencies along with buying offices under those 10 agencies We have talked to and received feedback from over 1800 uh, businesses uh, and acquisition professionals and we have sorted through every single bit of feedback that we have gotten. Uh, We have engaged with every major industry uh, association and has started dialogues with them. As a matter of fact, um, today I'm getting an outreach from uh, ACT-IAC on their feedback around what they would like to see in this new um, contract. Lots of feedback from the Coalition for Government Procurement. And we're starting to meet with some other small business associations. And so, you know, it is full steam ahead in terms of really understanding the challenges uh, that agencies have. How do you structure a contract in a way to achieve those and ensure that industry really is able to participate in the contract in a way that is not burdensome, right? So we're in the middle, really, of those conversations.
0: Can you, um, you know, dish a little bit more and share a little any other tidbits about what customers and in industry are saying?
1: Yes, I can. I can, Jill. Um, And it, the pretty consistent themes uh, across um, that we're, we're hearing from both groups. From customers, uh, we've learned that uh, customer agencies find really the current availability of best and class contracts for services pretty limiting, and Mm -hmm. we need to address that issue. Um, So a lot of what I talked about earlier is about that. It's about the scope, and then baking in terms and conditions into the contract that allow that to evolve over time. Um, What what has happened uh, previously with our contracts is we say, here are the terms and conditions and that's it. Can't be changed. And the minute that you award the contract, of course, something changes. Um, and so we need to figure out how to weigh, a, a way to legally, right? You know, have a contract that uh, allows us to change the scope and evolve the scope over time. So we're working through how to how to meet that challenge um also customer agencies want to be able to find their incumbents um and it, not so award can go to the incumbents but where you have an incumbent that has been successfully performing you want to make sure that they've got an opportunity to compete for the follow-on work um and so sometimes moving to you know a, a best-in-class contract that doesn't represent your industrial base. Well, you're shutting out all those really great contractors uh, that have worked really hard um, to support their mission. So they really want us to be able um, to structure this contract in a way where, you know, their industrial base is there. It's easy for them to get on the contract so they can compete for work in the future. Um, And, you know, the agency can also get the benefit of a best in class or really, you know, spend under management uh, contract. Um, In addition, uh, we've, Long heard from contracting officers that they really need direct visibility uh, into into industry capabilities. Uh, This is really so they can satisfy their socioeconomic goals for the agency, small business utilization. Getting that information to the tools that we currently have today, I think everyone would agree, is pretty challenging. Um, And so what we'd like to set up in this new contract is something that is really um, data driven, that you can go to a website portal and say, I've got this service. Please tell me, dear system, right, or dear GSA, <laughs> right. um, what the specifics are about how many small businesses uh, or veteran, let's say, small businesses there are. Um, where are they located? What are their capabilities? What kind of work have they done? Um, and really automate that market research um, responsibility that contracting officers have. It's a huge area of focus for us, and it's really something that we've heard uh, agencies want. Uh, They also would like to have more information around pricing. So we've got our calc pricing tool, right? Which is a great data visualization tool uh, for awarded labor rates on our multiple award schedules program. Um, but they really would like to see that married up against prices paid information that we've been collecting over time. And so um, part of another part of the organization in FAS, um, our Office of Enterprise Strategy Management, is working on um, actually. Publishing um, a tool or updating really the calc tool uh, to provide really kind of full scope pricing information uh, that agencies have asked us for. So, another big, big want. Um, And lastly, of course, customers want to be able to shorten acquisition timelines, right, Mm -hmm. as much as possible. And so, a lot of the tools uh, that we want to provide, whether they're what I call acquisition playbooks um, or if you go to our website today um, you'll you'll see them there which is really a toolkit for like if I need to do an order under mass or an, utter, an order under this multiple award schedule or this multiple award contract here's like a whole Kit, right? In terms of here's a sample statement of work. Um, Here is a sample independent government cost estimate. Uh, Here's a sample request for quote. Really, you know, provide those types of tools along with the analytics uh, to really help facilitate um, customers buying off of our contracts. And we're really, you know, hearing from customers that that's what they want. Um, So we're working on that. And from industry, you can talk about that too, if you'd like. John. Yes,
0: sure. sure. <laughs> give us a little, give us a little peek in that okay. direction.
1: Little peak. Uh, so what we've heard from industry um, is pretty consistent as well as so they really want to be able to participate in, in best-in-class contracts on a regular basis. Um, waiting for on-ramps, um, having l- limited opportunities right, to get on the contract has been an area of concern for industry and what we're really trying to thoughtfully work through. So you know, how do you balance the needs of federal agencies and what they want on a g- contract with access right? Which is really what industry wants. Um, They would also like to see standards that are considerate of small businesses and um, don't give unfair advantage uh, to large businesses, just being frank. Um, (laughs) This is, you know, exactly what we've heard from small businesses on a pretty regular basis. There have also been concerns around the scoring method uh, that we have used on some of our contracts and that perhaps it's not... um, fair to small businesses in terms of how they have been structured. Um, Also, and this is something that we learned um, on Oasis, is when a small, if you're on the contract and you size out from being a small business, um, we had some on-ramp mechanisms in the contract um that we had hoped that when small businesses sized out they could go to the unrestricted contract vehicle and that didn't really work out the way that we had hoped it would so we're looking to fix that um, on our new contract which is if you're successful and you size out from being a small business the reward should be you get to stay on the contract um, not that you're out of the contract so we're figuring out how to um really address that need
0: I'm Joan Cornfliffe. This is Fast Focus, and we are talking today with Tiffany Hickson. She's the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC, at GSA. She is also the FAS Regional Commissioner for GSA's Region 10. We are just about out of time. I do want to ask you one more thing, two actually. What is the next step in this process, and when do you hope to have the contract in place?
1: So next steps um, are we this year, this fiscal year, uh, we're going to continue to do market research and engagement with industry associations, um, the small business administration, um, as well um, as our customer agencies to really make sure that we have an understanding of what their needs are. In the short term, um, we're going to be issuing another request for information uh, to industry in June, and then we'll be holding a second industry day to talk about the results of that second RFI. Um, And by the end of the summer, uh, we're looking to have our acquisition strategy um, approved, we hope, uh, so we can issue (laughs) a draft um, request for proposals. Um, our RFP uh, at the beginning of the next fiscal year for comment. And we expect that we'll probably have at least two uh, of those draft uh, solicitations, if not more, um, out um, in probably the first six months of FY22. Uh, and our goal um, is to start awarding new contracts uh, under that solicitation uh, by the end of FY22 and with agencies start to start using the contract in FY23.
0: We have been talking with Tiffany Hickson, the Assistant Commissioner for GSA's Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC. She is also the government-wide Federal Professional Services Category Executive and serves as the FAS Regional Commissioner for GSA's Region 10. If you have any questions for Tiffany about this new Services Mac, or would like to learn more about anything we talked about today, or just want to drop us a line, the address is gsafastfocus at gsa.gov. Coming up, news of another great training opportunity and some fascinating fast facts. I am Joan Kornbluth, and you are listening to GSA Fast Focus. Welcome back to Fast Focus, a look at what is happening throughout GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Joan Kornblith, and as always, we have got a full plate of fast-specific webinars and trainings coming up. I am joined now by our producer, Max Stempora, who is here with some information about another training specifically for people interested in OASIS, one of the programs that Tiffany was talking to us about. Am I right about that, Max? That's right, and this is always a popular one, OASIS Delegation
2: of Procurement Authority. The next one is scheduled from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Monday, June 21st. Join the OASIS program officer for an overview of the program and Delegation of Procurement Authority training. This is specifically for warranted contracting officers. Remember, you must complete this training before requesting a DPA, which allows direct access to OASIS. Visit www.gsa.gov slash events to
0: sign up and learn more. And of course, I will take it from here. Again, the webinar is scheduled for 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday, June 21st. That is noon central, 11 a.m. Mountain, 10 a.m. Pacific, Monday, June 21st. What you are working vir- virtually from Valdez, Alaska for the summer, that is okay. For you, the DPA training gets underway at 9 a.m. Wherever you are, just remember to visit gsa.gov events page at www.gsa.gov events to learn more and register for the next OASIS DPA training session that is coming up on June 21st. I'm Joan Cornblath. coming up on Fast Focus, a few fascinating fast facts. Welcome back to GSA Fast Focus. I am Joan Cornblath. We are almost out of time for today. I do want to leave you with just a few fascinating fast facts. And since we were speaking with Tiffany Hickson earlier, GSA's Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories, or PSHC, and also the government-wide Federal Professional Services Category Executive, as well as the FAS Regional Commissioner for GSA's Region 10, I thought it might make sense to talk about things related to all of those items. Don't you think so, Max? I do. Okay, well, let's start by digging into Oasis. You know, it's the multiple award contract that's all about flexible and innovative solutions for complex professional services. Oasis Unrestricted is a full and open contract. Oasis Small Business, or Oasis SB, is a 100% small business set-aside contract with the ability to do socioeconomic set-asides at the task order level. Given the total sales volume to date since day one in 2014, is $36 billion with $20.8 billion of that from unrestricted and $15.3 billion uh, being OASIS-SB. Do you want to take a guess at the dollars obligated in FY20 for OASIS unrestricted? And I have to tell you, before you start you know, making scratches on the paper in front of you, I have to tell you it was a pretty good year despite the pandemic. Oh,
2: okay. Uh, so you said it was... 36 billion since it started?
0: Yep, since day one, 36 uh, billion.
2: Okay. Um, how many years would that be? Seven. So, and
0: oh, it was that, yeah.
2: So maybe that's about five billion a year. So I'll say five billion.
0: You're pretty close. Uh, for fiscal year 20, total number of task orders for Oasis Unrestricted was 165, and that is up from fiscal year. Nineteen total, five point five billion, up from five point zero four in fiscal year nineteen. Oh. All so right, that's pretty a pretty good guess. Pretty, pretty good. And we may surpass that this year because to date through the second quarter of this year, business volume for Oasis Unrestricted is two point two billion. At this time last year, that figure was one point nine billion. So things are going yeah, pretty well this year. Growing, yeah. Now, other interesting stuff out of Region Ten. It, Before I go further, have you visited Seattle? Have you been out there? I have. Have you gone out on the river at all, taken the ferry anywhere? Uh, We didn't. We didn't. Okay, well, go out there again. Next time, keep an eye out for the new fireboat patrolling the area, because one of the largest state and local buys so far in FY21 has been with Washington's South King County Fire Department. They purchased a fireboat to patrol the shores of the Puget Sound from Federal Way to downtown Seattle. Any idea how much a fireboat like that might cost? I don't
2: know. I'll just throw a number out there. Five million dollars. Oh, no, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. 1.6 million. Yes. 1.6 million for a fireboat. 1.6 1.6 million for a fireboat. Fire trucks are also expensive. It's been a while since I've seen a figure for them, but they are also expensive. But this is a specialized machinery. 1.6 million. So next time you see a fireboat out on water like that, uh, GSA may have had a role in the community getting the project, uh, getting the new piece of equipment like that. Anyway, those are all the fascinating fast facts we've got for you today. Don't forget, if there is anything else fast-related that you'd like to learn about or someone you'd like to hear featured on Fast Focus, let us know. Send a note to Focus at gsa.gov. That is gsafasfocus.gov. At gsa.gov. I'm Joan Cornblith. I put the words together. Max Tempora is the producer. Domini Artist handles the social media. Thank you to Tiffany Hickson for joining us in the studio this week. Fast Focus is a production of the U.S. General Services Administration's Office of Strategic Communication.